Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert, helping people to think, speak, and act positively through the many and varied challenges of life. We have a really cool and exciting show today. I've invited uh, the hosts, uh, several of the hosts of Journey to Success Radio to participate in a an interesting panel discussion where we're going to be asking each other interesting questions that may help you with uh, some of the challenges and opportunities in your life. And so uh, let's start off. Uh, Peter, Peter Gorl is one of our hosts. Peter, introduce yourself and then pass it off to someone else on the call. All right. Thanks, uh, Tom. I appreciate uh, being part of this uh, uh, group session. My name is Peter Gorl. I'm uh, uh, Vice President of uh, Business Development and uh, Client Relations at a company called TechBlocks in uh, Toronto, Canada. I'm also a mentor with Futurepreneur Canada. And as you've probably noticed, if you've followed me on uh, social media, I am a uh, huge proponent of Twitter and an artist. So uh, I, I think I still have still have some time to do the odd thing. So. Uh, if you have any ideas about what I should be doing next, Tom, by all means. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you're going to be making two book covers for uh, a book that some of our hosts are having coming out and another one from the Bullionale Foundation Instructor. Absolutely. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, so, looking Timmer, forward to that. Timmer, how about yourself? The amazing Tim Chim, one of my heroes, mentors, and a co-author of the upcoming book I'm writing with uh, him and Taylor Tag, and uh, that Peter is going to be also writing, doing the cover image for us. Go ahead, Tim. Thank you very much, Tom. My name is Timothy Chim, uh, and I am the only survivor here among the four of us from the Khmer Rouge regime that killed nearly two million people in the mid-70s. And I'm currently here in Nanuet, New York, owning my own agency, Allstate Insurance Agency, since 1987. So if you guys know anybody that wants to buy insurance in New York or even financial products in New York, you can contact me here at 845-624-2500. Tom? Amazing. And now the amazing Taylor Tag, uh, also a co-author of the upcoming book with Tim and myself, and just an amazing guy. Well, uh, welcome, uh, Taylor, and introduce yourself. Well, thank you, Tom, for uh, asking me to be on the program. I'm Taylor Tag, Memphis, Tennessee. I'm an inner success coach and focus on helping people with emotional intelligence and forgiveness. I've written uh, two books, about to be three with you guys. Uh, one has become an Amazon best-selling book, and I also speak and also um, work at a community college here, helping people uh, really up-level their lives. So uh, I really have a tremendous respect for you guys. I'm glad to be here. Fantastic. Why don't you give us your website, Taylor? TheEvolvingHeart.com. TheEvolvingHeart.com. Well worth the visit. I go there regularly and great website. Well, guys, we have an exciting show, uh, interesting format we have. And so, Tim... Why don't you start with a question for Taylor? Well, Taylor, you just mentioned a book or two books, but one of which I am very happy to read, and I have read that book several times now, and uh, the amazing Amazon bestseller book called The Path to a Peaceful Heart. What is this book all about, uh, Taylor, and how is it related to Dr. Hill's Principles of Success? And would you please share it with the uh, with us and with the audience? 
Yeah, sure. Love to, Tom. Thank, I mean, Tim, thank you for that. Um, Path to Peaceful Heart is really a book about rewriting your story. We've all got stories that we tell. We've all got stories that we've lived. And we don't necessarily have the opportunity to change that story, we don't think, or to rewrite it, so to speak, to make it what we want it to be. And the Path to Peaceful Heart is really about rewriting the story make it what you want it to be it's not what happens to us it's what happens for us so we can become the person that we can be and kind of as i walked walked through the the path itself i found that there were there were several things that that happened in my life that allowed me to keep moving forward and one was just being able to witness my life as it was get out of the, the drama so to speak of all the the mental and, and verbal abuse that I experienced as a child and just really be able to look at it from an outsider's perspective. And then as I was able to continue to walk through that, that path, I realized that this story did not have to end up in a tragic way. So many of our stories end up just in the pits at the bottom. There just seems to be no way out. And mm -hmm. I discovered discovered a way to change the path of my story. And Dr. Napoleon Hill was one of those people that helped me change the path of my story in an instant. And all of us on this call here are very familiar with the principle of adversity and defeat. All of our mm -hmm. disappointments can be changed, can be turned around, and there's always a seed of equivalent benefit. And when I heard him say that, something changed in me instantly. I knew that I could rewrite my story, and I know, didn't quite know how that was going to happen. I just knew that it could happen, mm -hmm. and I continued to walk that path. And as I kept on down that path, I ultimately found forgiveness for the people that were involved and learned how to forgive myself for holding on and taking responsibility as a child for trying to fix all of it. And once that happened, that peace came in, that peace that surpasses all understanding. and it's was always there. I just was able to uncover it within myself. And when I did, it was an amazing, amazing experience. So that's the story. It's how to rewrite the story of your life to make it the way that you want it to be ultimately. Hmm. Powerful. And we all have those people in our lives that we need to find peace and forgiveness with or they're going to haunt us even if they're not with us for the for, our, for the rest of our lives, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Powerful. Now, Taylor, I know you have a question for Tim, I believe. No, it's actually for you, Tom. Oh! My question is for you. I'm putting you on, I'm putting you on the spot here. And we I didn't even study. <laughs> we know that you've, all, you've gone through a, you know, a tremendous amount of physical pain in your life, been able to come through that in a brilliant way, very positive way, positive attitude. So what are your top two tips for moving through intense physical pain? What can you share with the audience about how you do that in your life? Right. I, I got two great ones. The number one one I think of is that most of my pain, arthritis pain comes and goes. So you might be extremely Pain might have a lot of pain throughout my body for a couple weeks or in one specific joint horrible pain for a few weeks, but then it comes and goes. So as long as I know that it's going to go soon within a few weeks, I, I am strong enough to survive anything for a short period of time. Same when I go for surgeries. Uh, I've had four hips replaced, four knees and two shoulders. And uh, when I'm going in for surgery, I know, okay, for the next six weeks, it is going to be miserable, but I can survive anything for six weeks. And so that's how I just look at it. It's like a countdown. It's like, okay, six weeks. Prepare yourself mentally and physically to be in pain and still remain positive for the next six weeks, and then life will look better after that. And the other one is take a... The other one is take a global perspective on pain. I live in Canada, and in Canada, I could go to a doctor in 30 minutes from now and not pay one penny. And this is our government health care system in Canada, 
And so think of people who have arthritis around the world. Tim, you're from Cambodia. Imagine if someone had rheumatoid arthritis yeah, in Cambodia. Yeah. I don't think they're getting free media, uh, free doctors, free hospital visits, free surgeries, all the free things that I that in Canada many people take for granted. I don't take for granted. I must owe the government a ton of money because I've been in the hospital like 40 times. And so <laughs> I I happily pay my taxes every year. But at the same time, I remember that, okay, I'm in pain and feeling miserable, but I'm in Canada where medications, the cost of medications are regulated and low. Doctors and hospitals are free. And there are many people in the world who don't have those benefits, and I'm no nicer than them to be in Canada with this great healthcare system than someone in Cambodia who might see a doctor every three months and might have nothing to do or know nothing about arthritis. So those two things, knowing that I can survive miserable pain for a length of time that I know is going to end, and then just having a global perspective on my problem compared to people with a similar problem in third world countries who I am no nicer than, and yet I get to suffer in Canada and they suffer in their own country. Those two things really, really, really help me. It doesn't help the pain, but it does help my uh, positive attitude through the pain. Wow. So, yeah. Tom, I don't even talk about things that happen in uh, Cambodia. <laughs> they don't have any facility like that for free or even for not free. It's very difficult over there. I want to follow up, uh, if uh, you may, Tom. I know that you live with and in pain. And how do you go about your daily life? You know, like moving, going shopping, driving, and uh, up and down the stairs and stuff like that. Can you describe the activities that you do every day? Right. I live a very full life. I have a full-time job. I uh, go to the gym often. I'm on a little respite now because I'm under attack from my arthritis. Every second of every day, I know I'm in pain. There's no like, oh, right, yeah, yeah, I'm in pain today. I never have to ask myself, geez, are you painful? Every second of every day. But I have, I have enough amazing positive people in my life and things that I'm doing that that just takes all of my focus. And so I prefer to keep busy. People often have said to me, Tom, you can go on disability, you can sit at home, maybe do some cash jobs under the table, no, like I want to be around people. I'd rather be distracted by the cool, fun, positive people and things I'm doing than sit at home where all I'm going to be focusing on is, man, I'm in a ton of pain. And so just keeping busy and getting out and getting distracted. It's kind of what the Arthritis Society teaches and what I teach in their classes. Is just get distracted enough with life that your sole focus is not on holy crap, I'm in a lot of pain. And uh, it also is good for your stiffness and mobility because uh, the thing with arthritis is people uh, endure a lot of pain and then they decide to stay at home and not move their body very much. Now you've lost the mobility in the joints that you're resting Mm -hmm. because you decided Mm -hmm. not to do nothing. So there's really no... A trick to it other than you need to keep those 60,000 thoughts focused more on the positive <laughs> things you're doing in life than on the enormous pain you might be feeling in one or several joints of the body. It takes a lot of practice and I'm not always the best at it and and in my public life I'm better at doing it. When I go home, my wife Kim often sees the more tired, tired from fighting pain, a little bit less positive or somewhat more grumpy. But let's say to the outside world, I do my very, very, very best to maintain my positive outlook and approach to life because I know it encourages other people and so it kind of puts a responsibility on me to manage it properly so I can encourage other people. And so, yeah, that's uh, kind of the main things I do to 
control the second by second by second beam that I've had for 46 years. Good question there, Tim. Thanks so much. Yeah, I now, was at your home. I was at your home, uh, and I noticed that you even have that escalators between the first yeah. floor and the second floor. And I've yeah. seen you have that strange, you know, instrument that you put your sock. Pants on and shirts and all that. How the heck did you have patients doing all of that thing? You know, like, say, what happened if you got to go to the bathroom? Then how are you going to go from the second floor to the first floor in a half a minute or something? You know, right? And even even all those dressing devices. It takes me like five times as long to get dressed as you do. Just to put pants on. Yeah, yeah. Minutes. Uh, Socks on. Yeah, and my wife does them now and. (laughs) <laughs> it can do them, but yeah, I have a device to put socks on and uh, uh, and a device to pull pants up. And sometimes I can't do buttons on the shirt, so I find the the nearest attractive woman that can do that for me. Sometimes it's my wife, <laughs> whoever I can encounter first time when I'm out on the street. <laughs> I was at a hotel one time. I was at a hotel. I, can, I, I went. To I went to speak in California. I forgot my sock device, and I was like, wow, what am I going to do? So I went to the front desk, and I asked them, how good is your customer service at this hotel? <laughs> and they gave me a five-minute thing on how great it was. I was like, okay, then you get to put my socks on for three days while I'm here. <laughs> and so, yeah, it is interesting. All the If you follow me for a few days, you'd see all the alterations to my life I have to make that you wouldn't even expect sometimes. Even in my car, for instance, I have a nice sports car. It doesn't have power seats, and I can't reach underneath the seat to pull the seat forward, so I attach a belt to the bar underneath the seat, and I just pull on the belt to move my seat forward and backwards. So power seating for the cost of $20, that's way better than the dealership will offer you, but that's how I get around having power seats in a car that doesn't have power seats. I make my own. So good question. Now, uh, T- uh, Peter, you've been sitting here on the sidelines here. So uh, I, know, <laughs> I know Tim's story, and I know Taylor's story, and our book is yeah. about overcoming adversity and, and yeah. pain. But I know you've had five kids, a few wives, <laughs> and a few challenges in your life. So when you encounter the negatives of life, the things that upsetting things in life that can come with having five kids and then being married a few times. What is it that goes through your mind or what actions do you take to refocus yourself onto the positive of life? I know your art is a an amazing outlet for you, but are there specific things you think of or focus on and that you do to refocus or readjust your thinking and, and to the more positive side? Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, I think much like um, Taylor talked about uh, earlier, um, I think I think these are things that you know you 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 acquire. Um, it's kind of um, almost like a uh, rather than a resistance, but you find a way to you find a way to overcome things. I if I if I date myself back, I can recall. Even now, they're not—they're not—they're not troublesome by any stretch of the imagination if I compare my story to Tim's. But the reality was, uh, as a child, as a child, um, I mean, I found out uh, that my father was not my father; he was my stepfather, and mm-hmm. um, and of course, he um, he was not. Uh, that much in favor of me and of course gave me kind of a rough time you know uh, I I was the eldest of five children and uh, and I I really took the brunt for a lot of things that you know that went on in the house and and I used to find ways to avoid dealing with him and I think as a it's amazing how, how bright a young person can be when they try to avoid aggravation and try to avoid pain. And um, I did it in unique ways. You did mention my art. I I would always uh, go to my art and disappear in it. But I I recall times when 
um, the family would go out on the weekend, you know, to the local uh, beach. You know, I was living in the UK, and uh, we I was living in uh, Lancashire, and uh, the closest great beach that was Blackpool. And um, they used to go out for day trips. I used to purposely stay home. I used to say, listen, I don't really want to go. Uh, I'll stay home. And when you get back, I'll have made you supper. You know, your dinner will be ready on the table. And in other words, I was actually selling them on a feature that that both my parents were actually really dead keen on accepting, thinking, that sounds like a really neat plan. You'd do that? So I can think, even as early as 12, 13, and 14 years of age, I learned to cook. And I learned to cook out of books. And I watched mm. television. And I, and, I, and I learned how to make meals. I learned how to bake pies and things like that so that I would get my own time because they only had to experience it once and so that I didn't have to sell it on sell them on it the second time so I as soon as I made them this perfect meal fabulous meal topped off with a fantastic lemon meringue pie made from scratch this 12 year old 13 year old 14 because I did it for years I did it for years just to play avoidance of, of that of that ugly parent that I grew up with that really just wanted to probably give me a backhand quicker than than talk to me and I got my time I spent time and I spent that time learning something I learned how I, I learned a new skill I, I honed my art I learned a new skill and um, and it made it made for some great use and some great uh, kind of mindset for me later on in life because I find that, you know, I think we heard somebody, I wasn't sure who it was, talked about distractions. And sometimes, you know, you you can distract yourself from pain. You can distract yourself from the, from the crazy issues of your day-to-day. And that's how I did it as a youngster. And I think that I, I think that I have carried, I've learned to carry that through even into adult life now because I've worked for some really crazy people in my life. I've been in <laughs> such I've been in such uh, unusual uh, environments, and, and but I've never been afraid to be in those environments. Yeah, they've bothered me, but I think uh, as a as an old friend of mine used to say, you know what? You can you can take my time, you can waste my time, but you can't have my soul. And you know what? That I think that I think that that's where I end up. I think that's where I end up every time that I find myself in a situation that I can't manage because it's someone else's personality or it's something uh, unique about the environment around me that's weighing down on me and trying to hold me back mm. from being progressive. As an as an just as an aside, Tom, uh, the, my stepfather died uh, last year. But before before he died, and I never visited him often, right? Uh, in fact, my both my parents uh, actually died almost one after another with uh, within a couple of months of each other. But my stepdaughter uh, stepdad died. I went to see him about I think about three days before he had passed on. And he was in a hospice, and I went to see him, um, and he he knew what he'd done to me. I mean, let's face it, he knew why I hadn't seen him all the, and I'd kind of, I, I'd kind of been estranged from him from so many years because he really wasn't my father, and he really did mistreat me and all those other factors. But I went to see him in the hospice. I spent a few hours with him, and I did have to go. I had to go someplace, and he. he he stopped me. I knew he was in pain. He stopped me and he said, Peter, I know I've not treated you well all your life. And I just want to say how sorry I am for this 
and for anything, you know, and if you can to this day forgive me, you know, I, you know, I'd feel blessed. And, you know, somebody else might just say, you know, get lost, hit the curb, mm. right? But I, I, I said, you know what? I called him dad, which is something I didn't always do. But I said, relax, lie back. There's nothing to worry about. You have nothing to be sorry for. You know, it's everything that we went through. It's character building. You know, you, you helped make me who I am anyway. So be at peace. And in all honesty, it was probably the most fabulous, un, you know, kind of undoing for me, right? And that just happened last year. And I had a, I had a, a year from hell last year, but that happened and it cleaned up. I, my, I'm, I'm, you can tell. I mean, I'm, I'm saying it with ease. I'm saying it with resolution. I feel great. You know, um, let's face it. It was probably a, it, it was probably more of a selfish thing that he was doing. By you know, <laughs> in a sense, right. settling, in settling himself. I could have turned him away, but I thought, you know what? The better, the better person steps up and says, you know what? It's all good. Calm down. It's all good. Don't sweat it. it it's it's way too small, right? Because the life. Think about the life itself, and it's very easy for me to look at him and go, you know what, that that I I never want that to be me. Mm-hmm. I I never want to be in a in a in a state where I have to beg for someone's forgiveness for something that I've done wrong to them. So because I don't do it in the first place, right? I, I learned that, right? And the same is from the people around me. And that's why, you know, that's why I am the generous person that I am. That's why I work the way that I work. I affiliate myself with collaborators, with people who are me- have meaningful, add meaningful things to my life. And I'm at peace with that. And that's, uh, and I think that's my story. And I, you know, I heard Taylor's I heard Taylor's piece come through, you know, when, you know, when he, when he talked about his evolution, it's interesting that we all have, we all have these things that are bucking, you know, that can come up and haunt us. Mine don't haunt me anymore, Tom. I'm I'm done with them. (laughs) Right. And uh, you, you haven't read Taylor's book, but Taylor's situation was very similar to yours, except it was uh, his mother's boyfriend yeah, he was around for a number of years, and yeah, yeah Taylor would hide in closets. He would hide around yeah. the house. The guy broke a bunch of front doors, yeah. a bunch of furniture. Uh, I don't know if he wow. hurt his mom. And mm-hmm. here he is, a little kid. Yeah. How can I protect my mom? How do I yeah. replace a front door on the house? And so, yeah, uh, similar to totally. you know, what you went through. And, yeah. boy, that could leave scars on someone if they don't deal with it mentally uh, later on in life. Yeah, no, it's true. And, I, you know, I think you have to take the opportunities that you get to to get past it, you know. And uh, I know it's easy to say, you know, you should be strong and you should stand up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a meaning. You've got you've to admit to yourself one thing. There's a living, breathing person. You mean something to at least one person, <laughs> even if it's yourself, right? Self, there's nothing wrong with loving yourself so much that you'll 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 be a super person for everyone else that you meet. I know that. It's an introspective way of living, but guess what? It's it's the most meaning. And the and the people that I've met in these past years, and the even some of the significant people that I've interviewed uh, on Journey to Success Radio have all talked about that moment of revelation where they came out of an awkward moment, an awkward element, and, uh, and have survived it and have learned to, to offer that help to someone else. I mean, every time you turn around, you must realize that everyone's got a story like this. It's kind of a segue to my question to Tim. Tim, yes. we all have skeletons in our closet, and they're associated with 
how we grew up and where we grew up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I realize, I realize it's a known fact that everything happens around us. Everything that happens around us has a way of affecting us. We, we, you can't help that. And I, uh, you know, I've learned to set that aside. That that I don't know about you. I I, I listen to your story. And uh-huh. I wonder how the heck do you <laughs> set aside the travesty associated with the way you grew up, with the Camera Rouge, all that nonsense. I mean, I can't imagine coming out of that 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 pit. You know, it's got to have been like a. I I almost want the world just to swallow me up and get me the hell out of that out of that place. <laughs> so I mean, how did you, you know, how did you bring yourself to that level of appreciating the peacefulness that you have today? Well, thank you, Peter. This is an excellent question indeed. I I can write a book about this. <laughs> <laughs> And I have to tell you and to our listeners that it has been very tough indeed to challenge the the travesties around me ever since I was a young boy, a young man, as well as when I first came here to the United States, where I used to live many years in the inner city. At that time, was uh, Jersey City in New Jersey. It is not just about a skeleton in the closet, but a lot of skeletons (laughs) had been in the open, Peter, in the open, Mm -hmm. everywhere, all over the places. Now, where I came from, as you know, I had faced and dealt with many travesties, as you put it, especially the travesty of justice. And and I had seen only injustice or injustice is nearly a half of my life back home. Mm-hmm. You know, people killed each other over nothing because of some time of having different ideologies. People were harshly punished, jailed without any justice, uh, justice system. Millions had been executed. I missed that just about an hour long. And millions more had been deprived. Now, every family in Cambodia, Peter or Tom, has been affected by this. Some has lost the entire family. I'm talking about the whole family disappeared. My family, for example, was almost disappeared in just one swoop of a uh, American bomber. Many have just one or two persons left in in this world to to survive alone. Now, needless to say, if you follow Cambodian atrocity, one in four Cambodians has been or have been killed. Mm-hmm. And the rest is just like you said, lived in such a way that if you don't know how to deal with this, you can go crazy. You can go cuckoo. So now your question is, how have I learned to set aside such travesties? Now, I have learned to set aside by probably, if I can think of it for now, is that maybe four four things. Now, one, the first thing that I've tried to do is to, to understand. It's the understanding the truth of the situation, why terrible things like this happened in Cambodia. I had learned that it did happen because of our own ignorance, I should say, stupidity. We didn't know. We allowed others to control our thoughts, to think for us, and most of all, our, to fully control our mind, body, and even our spirit. And once I understand the truth, or most of the truth, it helped me set me, it helped set me free there's someone saying that, you know, the truth can set you free. Right. So it set me free from the negative feelings like hatred, anger, jealousy, revenge, etc. Dr. Hill's uh, principle mentioned that the seven major negative feeling, feelings. 
Now, that's the first thing that I do. I, un- I try to understand the truth behind all the situations. Mm-hmm. And the second part of this is I need to learn how to transmute all of those negative feelings into positive ones by using the principles from our Dr. Hill's philosophy, the uh, positive mental attitude. Mm-hmm. And like Tom say, or uh, you are learning from adversity and defeat, like Tom, me, and uh, Taylor is trying to write a book about that. And the principle of applied faith, for example, it is very difficult to erase the negative emotion, Peter, because mm-hmm. it had been settled in in my mind for many years since I I was born. Yeah. So I have been listening to many inspirational messages, mostly by Dr. Hill. I, I have his tapes in the car. Every time I have a chance, I listen to it. And I read books on on daily basis. I listen to the radio, not for anything, but for inspirational forms of uh, broadcasting. I do that. I listen to them in the gym, in shower, in a car, bedtime. And then I have to read so many self-help books, learning how to become successful in what I do. I have to admit that it is quite a challenge for me to do this because first, like Tom always said, I don't even speak English, (laughs) never mind about reading it. So English is not my native language. Struggling through that, and it takes me twice as much to understand those books. And secondly, the, the social environments do not permit me to, to stay clean from negative thoughts too long. In short, I have been trying to, to replace all my negative feelings with the positive ones. I stop listening to sad songs, example. Mm-hmm. I have to learn how to stop complaining about the circumstances around me, about what I don't have. And I have to stop reading news, you know, newspapers, and and especially bad news. Stop watching televisions. I haven't watched television for I don't know how long, maybe for 20 years. Wow. And I stop wow. listening to small talks. I don't talk small uh, small talks, and and I don't like people who talk small talks, mm. talking about some other things, you know. And that's my second yeah. idea. And the third one. I have learned to associate myself with the positive people like you guys. And now this is hard because most of the people I know, including many of my friends, knowingly or unknowingly, are still on the negative side, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And they still have a lot of anger, hatred, jealousies, and revenge, you know, because of the war, because of the... Uh, the ideologies because of the differences between political factions and so on and so on. And I sometimes have to accept being, for the lack of better word, outcast, you know, like being alone, meaning it's okay to have lesser friends than than many others. So now I limit my association. I associate myself with the different kind of groups like hanging around with you guys you know, belonging to local and national good clubs, forming uh, meaningful organizations, like not-for-profit organizations to help others to who are in need. Tom knows about that. And also getting involved in politics to help solve some of the, the tough social questions or problems we are facing nowadays. And that's my third uh, ways of uh, forgetting about this. And then the fourth one, I think it's the most important one, is that I've been writing. As bad as my English is, I just have to keep writing. Then I teach. Then I speak. I write some books. I write some articles on a blog, Facebook. And I want to dedicate much of my time to help others to become positive self-sufficient and to to become successful and dr hills is one of my heroes uh, i learned a lot from his principle i teach classes locally one-on-one and and recently i teach classes or i taught classes on skype to hundreds of uh, of students in in cambodia i'm i'm planning to bring dr hills principle like science of success 
and all of that into Cambodia. Uh, I hope with Dr. Judy Williamson's and Don Green's blessing, I can, uh, I think I could do that. Then, then last but not least is, is I go places, uh, uh, Peter and Tom, to, to give speeches. I speak at the local club. I speak at the local school. Sometimes I go to different states and countries to talk about what we are talking about now. Mm-hmm. All right, back to you, Peter. This is uh, my uh, short uh, uh, <laughs> you know, answer for you. <laughs> that was a, that was a short answer. Okay, <laughs> that was a short answer. <laughs> and and like I said, like I said, I could write a book about this thing, but yeah. it, it is it is rather tough. Yeah. When no. uh, I spoke to Tom before, um, I was thrown into American society right. after after landing from a jungle in, in Cambodia. You know, yeah. coming from Cambodia like a jungle book, now they threw me in this city yeah. that I knew nothing about, the language that I did not understand anything about, right. the taste of the food that I've never tasted before. It right. was just all in my dream at that time. Yeah. When the dream, yeah. when your dream come through, you don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tim, you know, they're they're unfortunately, and I, not just for yourself, but for everyone else, uh, and I'm sure there's members of the audience feel this way. There really is no short answer to resolve, <laughs> resolving something like this. Sometimes it is uh, a lengthy, and sometimes a lifetime journey until such time as you really get a handle on it or an opportunity to be strong around it. I mean, you know, my own my own story that I just um, uh, told you, I mean, we're talking about a young person in their early teens to mm-hmm. a person now, you know, in in his 60s, you know, finally getting resolution from his father or his stepdad. So, with, like, that is not a short story. That is a long, painful story, <laughs> right? And because regardless of me not seeing him and not being with him, mm. I still had that haunting, nagging element, regardless of how good I was at doing things and 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 putting it to one side there's always going to be this subliminal thing in the back of your mind that you know yes. i'd like yes. to resolve that today if i could thank mm-hmm. you very much <laughs> and you don't <laughs> until you face it you don't until you face it until you speak it write it say it throw it out there and share it with somebody else because what's the old saying a problem a problem shared is a problem divided right and if you share it often enough it can be so meaningless and that is a, a healthy way of breaking everything every problem that you have in life down if you want to eliminate it tell everybody that will listen <laughs> 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 if they want to listen to, right? Yeah, right. Even if they don't, yeah. <laughs> so put it in a book and put it on television and put it out in social media. I mean, the reality is that's that's yeah, what yeah. that's what we mm-hmm. are doing more often than anything, right? I think that's just. I think I think we are as a human race starting to learn how to deal with our issues. Uh, uh, you know, they're. When I, you know, if you think back to Victorian days, I mean, mm-hmm. not that I lived then. <laughs> Some <laughs> tell you I probably did, but I mean, uh, you know, you just hid things like that in the closet. You just kept them aside. Everything was taboo. But today, you go to Facebook and you see somebody's problem. You go to Twitter, you see somebody else's problem. You go on LinkedIn even today and somebody's bitching and moaning about something. Right? <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're uh, a society of people who are um, better communicators, right? And I think mm-hmm. there's still a lot of people that need to be taught that it's all right to stand up and tell somebody uh, point blank, look, this is not on, I'm not having a good time, and I don't belong here, 
right? Mm-hmm. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. You've got right. to face you got to face your own music, right? And it's exactly. and there's nothing wrong with uh, nothing wrong with being that transparent. In fact, if anything else, uh, if nothing else, should I, should I say, is that uh, I think people will uh, learn to respect you for being honest, unabridged, and uh, always can be counted on for the for the the truth, the God's honest truth. Amen. Now, gentlemen, we're uh, let's uh, wrap up the show. But I have one question for both of you that intrigues me, and I imagine it might intrigue other people. Uh, Tim, you play the guitar, and Peter, you're gifted, really gifted artist. Not just painting artist, but even like Canva, creating images. Does that give you some kind of a peace of mind or body or outlet to relax? Uh, by the way, I wouldn't want to hear Tim Jim sing. That would be a horrible thing. <laughs> but I do know he plays the guitar. Do those creative outlets help you to relax and get your mind off of things and relax your body as well? Uh, like I can't even draw stickmen properly, and you know they, they they ask me at church not even to hum along because I'm so bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Keep that little guy. Keep that little guy quiet over there, right? <laughs> I want, I want, I want to be, I want Tom to be on a drum. On yeah, the, yeah, that's right, Peter. Yeah, there. That yeah. sounds perfect. Uh, Tom, yeah. uh, you know, like on a serious note, absolutely. You know, um, I actually get lost in my canvases and um and i'm not the only one i think most artists will will probably admit that that they become you know for a very out for a very extroverted individual that i am in my everyday life i become quite introverted when it comes to the Mm. art and i think the extroversion is in the outcome of the painting or or whatever it is I'm 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 doing, but it, I, it's a place I, I it's almost like I leave this planet. That's what it feels like. It feels really strange. It's I almost feel like one of those software developing guys, you know, with a hide in a room and work through the night, and you slide food under the door, you know, and <laughs> right. you know, wear a diaper. But uh, that's what it feels like, and um, and and uh, it's it's so amazing because um, uh, I I get a chance to clear clear my mind. Of everything that ever happened to me that week, that day, it's it's all gone. And and I always I I try to I try to remember that feeling when I'm when when I'm in a state of pressure, because I always I always said that you owe it to yourself on a day to day basis, not to drag the trouble that you had yesterday into today. You need to leave it. Yes, you need to leave it in the past, right? <laughs> and I know that the art does that for me, but I'm utilizing some of the feelings. I'm remembering some of the, 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 just the thoughts and the feelings that I have at that moment, and I'm trying to, trying to remember them so that I can facilitate that kind of activity in me even when I'm not at the easel painting. And and I and that has become I think of late anyway, that has become something that I'm really starting to get good at. Just leaving yesterday alone, mm-hmm. looking forward to tomorrow and living in today. Nice. Nice. And what about nice, yourself? Peter. What about yourself, Timmer? I know you're funk at that guitar once in a while. Oh yes, my uh, I played music ever since I was a boy. I played guitar, and lately, when I was trying to preserve uh, the Cambodian music because the Khmer Rouge um, actually destroyed Cambodian music as well, old songs and all that, they destroyed that. They play their revolutionary music all the time after that. So when I came to the United States, there was no traditional Cambodian songs left. 
So then we form a band. So I ha I had a band of uh, six pieces, seven pieces band. Uh, so we go from place to place to play music for the people at their weddings, at their uh, ceremonies, and all of that. And then I've learned how to play guitar and other instruments just for my own use of the, uh, you know, at least I know the music that I don't have to listen to others' music uh, because, you know, by hearing the sad songs and all that, I can, uh, it, it could deplete me uh, and get me into that negative mood and all that. So when I played my own music, Tom, I let it fly to my own meaning, my own words, my own composition. So this way, I let it fly freely. This way, I don't have to hear that negative words. I, I form my own imagination as this song goes to good people, goes to my parents, goes to my sisters, goes to my friends who died. I was like, you, you're, on, you're in your own world when you do that. When you do yeah. have a few moments, then you play it, you, you imagine that you're with somebody, you imagine to play for them, ask for their forgiveness, and all that kind of thing. So it helped me, uh, one of which uh, Peter's question before, how to set aside the uh, uh, travesties and all. Cool. Wow. We love it. What yeah. a great, great outlet for uh, negativity. Thanks so much, uh, guys, uh, for joining me today. And uh, Taylor has to run. It was very nice to hear him. I think we've offered some great ideas and tips to people that are going through uh, challenging times on how they could uh, redirect their thinking, their emotions, and their energy and get back onto the more positive side of life. And that's valuable for anybody at any time in their life. So thank you so much, guys. Uh, great content here. And you got me all encouraged as well. So thanks a lot. <laughs> you do too, Tom. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Peter. Have a good night, Tim. All Take right. Care, good guys. night. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at tomtutall.com for details.